welcome. Praise the Lord. We're going to start out today. Wally's got a word he wants to share with us, so uh, he's got some uh, a word of something he wants to tell us, so we're going to let him give this first, and then we're going to get started here. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. When Jesus appeared in that burning bush before Moses, and Moses asked him a question, Who should you say that I am? He says, I am that I am. Jesus later on the earth, when he was walking the earth, said, I am has said it. The I am is here among us today. He is among his people. The Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty and there is freedom. But many of the people of God imprison Him in their heart. They've not yet learned to yield to the Holy Spirit, to reach out beyond what they feel they're capable of. They're not listening to the Spirit when things happen around them, when miracles especially take place, and someone gives a testimony It is the Lord speaking out of them, giving Him glory, and saying, I want to do it again and again and again. Amen. He heard your cry. And He wants us to seek the Spirit deeper and farther than we have ever sought it before. But it must be done not in our own effort or our own way. It must be done and the spirit of liberty and freedom. When the twelve disciples were in the boat, they were complaining. And the Lord said, what are you talking about? And Jesus had asked them a question. And they kept wondering, well, are, you, are you talking about the bread? He says, how many loaves that I have or that we had that were given to us by that young boy, and how many were left over, and of course they answered him. And he did this twice because he fed the people twice. And what the Spirit of the Lord is saying, if you'll simply let me do what I want to do, I want to break the laws of this world. I want to bring in the supernatural world, the world that Adam and Eve was created in in the Garden of Eden. I want to bring that world right in the midst of you. Because where I am is in heavenly places. And only those who are overcomers who sit with me in heavenly places will walk in the supernatural realm. A prophecy came out last night I heard 25 years ago from a carpenter from Canada in a meeting of a bunch of pastors. One of them was James Robinson. And he made this statement that the generation that now lived in his time would not be able to go in and possess the land because God's been waiting for a people to come up. And now he said, in two weeks, I will raise up a younger generation. We didn't know what he was talking about. Another man from Romania gave a prophecy and said, in Dallas is going to be the center of the greatest religious revival in America has ever seen. Last night, Bill Johnson a prophet, I believe, of God, made a statement. He said, I saw in a vision, I keep coming back here, and the Lord has confirmed it. 
the religious revival of America is starting in Dallas. And you're one of his chosen ones. And some of you are going to be some of his helpers and workers. Some of you are going to do some great exploits beyond anything you have ever seen. But a renewed mind to the Word of God that does not limit the expanse of infinity and eternity in God is going to go beyond this world. God wants so badly to come out. He is so good. He can't wait to reach out and touch people. Talk about people coming out of wheelchairs. I watched a man, and I've seen this many times, stand there being led by the Spirit as he yielded to it and began to, as he heard the Lord or felt it in his own body, he began to speak it out. And as he did, Guess what? Miracles started happening everywhere. And every time someone would run up and give a testimony, he says, and there's another one, and another one, another one. It was like multiplication. Did God say, I want you to be fruitful and multiply? He wants to multiply us. He wants to multiply Himself in us. Folks, we are the ones that limit God. We limit Him by our thinking, And by our own efforts, He doesn't need your help. He doesn't want your pathetic efforts because He knows you are weak. You don't have the power except within yourself, but it's limited to what we do to let it come out of us. And all we have to do is take a step of faith. And once we walk out into that unknown, God shows up. The man that made the water stand up simply went beyond his capability in realizing he could do no more in escaping from that huge wave. And when he just said, in Jesus' name, stop, the wave stopped. The universe changed the rules. Because why? All things are upheld by the power of His spoken Word. And we are like Him in His likeness. And if you say it with your mouth, you bring into existence spiritual powers and forces that change the makeup of this universe and all its laws. You see, He created those laws, but He wants to break them. You know why? He's like a little child. He wants to have fun. He wants to break things up and say, I want to change the way things are. Don't you understand? The Garden of Eden is already here. It's inside of all of us. The tree of life is in you. He that overcomes, I will grant to sit with me in my throne and eat from the tree of life. It's already here. I'm telling you a mystery. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Why do we seek for that which is already ours? Why do we need to create and cause things to happen when God's trying to do what He does best? Make what happened that He's already said now exists. We have to step out of ourselves and then just stand back and let God do His thing. All we have to do is believe what He said and it shall come to pass. And what God's saying, brother, is He's going to expand the ministry in such supernatural power. Even you and your mental abilities can't even comprehend it. 
But you must reach beyond your mind. Let the Word of God change that by simply standing in the Spirit and letting God reach in and draw Himself out of you. It's when we get out of the way, when we get past ourselves and let God do it. He's walking here. He wants to do things. It's us to get in this way. He wants us just to step back after we've done our part and let Him do the rest. Listen to the Spirit, Pastor, because He's speaking to you. Train yourself to listen, not just the Word. He says the Word is already in you. I taught you these things. I brought them into your mind. I have renewed it. Now I want you to begin to walk in the supernatural power. I want you to reach out beyond yourself. Listen to me, that still small voice. It's already there. You hear it once in a while. You would hear it even more. But you are limiting me. I want to come out and heal my people. I want you and you and you and you, all of you, to do the same. Not just here in church, where you work, where you live, everywhere you go. This man, she was there, said about a young man that walked into a store and a lady had a problem and he said, well, Jesus can heal that, and healed her. And the minute he did, he says, is that a microphone? Yeah. Can I uh, tell people what Jesus did? Can you tell people what Jesus is dead? Well, yeah. And she told him, running the microphone from all the store. And people were coming out looking around, wondering what's going on. Next thing you know, says, everyone who wants to see a miracle, and some of you want to be healed of the same thing she just got healed of, and three more people came up, and every one of them got healed instantly. Wow. He multiplies like A.A. Allen and others. But you have to listen to the testimony. Listen to the Word. When you give that testimony, there's somebody else that needs the same thing in your pastorship. He wants to reach out. And He's not limited to you. He's limited to nothing. And all we have to do is believe beyond. There are people right now rising up in the body of Christ that are reaching out beyond themselves. They're going to watch and walk in such supernatural power. It's going to literally cause the world to spin. It's going to get the attention even of the world. God's about to do it. There is a fire being lit right now in the church. God is not going to put up with a disobedient, rebellious, stiff-necked, carnality-driven people. He is getting ready to raise up some people who are going to blow the trumpet in Zion and sound the alarm and say, get with the program because I'm moving on. Amen. And if you don't move with them, you're going to be left behind. Because only overcomers are going to go and have the right to eat of the tree of life and rule and reign with Him. Folks, there's nothing more important than that. There are people in this room that are still sick. I can tell you why. You're comfortable with your pain. You're comfortable with your sickness. You've gotten used to it and the devil's convinced you that nothing's going to change. You can sit there and believe until you die. And you will. Until you realize that he is so good. He loves you so much. He wants to touch you and in a second all of it will be gone. But you have to renew your mind. You have to walk into a little bit of uncomfortableness. You have to get into a little bit of affliction in your life. Get out of your comfort zone and walk into a place where things aren't normal. When things aren't comfortable. And spend some time 
listening to God, talking to Him, pouring your heart out to Him. He wants to talk to you more than you want to talk to Him. But we're so cluttered with the needs of this world and the things of this world and the cares and affairs and the worries of this world that we have no time. Well, He's looking for those He can talk to that are willing to listen to Him. And those that will hear Him will move in the realms of the Spirit as never seen. We're going to see people coming out of nowhere doing some of the most awesome miracles we've ever seen. Remember, God is only limited to what you allow Him to do. If you're still asking for Him to do what He's already done, you're missing it. All you have to do is speak the word only. Remember the man who said, Lord, I'm not worthy you come under my roof. If you'll simply speak the word, I know it shall be done. He marveled. I've never met a man in all of the church, all Israel. And this is a pagan Roman officer. And he said, I've never met a man who had greater faith than this. That's why he said, I'm taking it from the people of Israel and I'm giving it to another nation. That nation's called the church. And he's raising up an army. Our Putin said this, a ragtag army who's going to move and shake this world like it has never been shaken. And when the fire of the Holy Ghost manifests itself in the sons of God and daughters of God, we're going to see this world change. He's about to waken it up. And only those who are ready who have washed their robes in the blood, who have no spot, wrinkle, or blemish, will be worthy to enter in. Take heed to yourselves. God is about to pour out a double portion. And it's going to hit everyone. Some to life, some to death. It's already happening. We're already seeing it on the whole world. But he must judge his church first. But the good news, folks, all you got to do is jump in. God's not waiting. I mean, he's waiting on you, not the other way around. If you're waiting on God, you already missed the boat. The Bible says pursue peace, pursue God, pursue faith, pursue love. Why? These are more important than everything else. If you're not pursuing it, then you're being drifting, 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 and pretty soon you won't be able to find your way back. It was the stragglers of Israel that were killed by the enemy. And he's looking to his men, his generals, his captains and lieutenants, the mighty men of valor, who will take up the sword of the Spirit and the shield of faith and close themselves in the Word of God, who will go forth by His Spirit. See, it's not by your power. It's not by your Spirit. It's by His Spirit. He will do these great and awesome things. So watch out. Look up. My redemption's already here. I'm about to do some awesome things. Praise the King. Praise the King. Anybody have a testimony? We want to start out today before we teach the Word of God. Come up here. We've got two or three hands coming up. Come on. Come up here and tell us what you got. Tell us what Jesus has done for you. This is Miss Sherry. 
She wants to tell us what Jesus done for her. He's doing some wonderful things, isn't he, Sherry? Yes, he is. Uh, about a week ago, I was at work, and I had a headache, a really bad headache. I really didn't want to take, take anything. But you know how the devil messes with you when you have a headache. You can't think of the scripture. You can't think of you can go halfway through. And plus, with your, when you're at work, you get interruptions and stuff. Uh, but I didn't want to take anything. But all that kept coming to my mind was uh, the song that Cheryl had written because it's a catchy little tune. And I couldn't remember it word for word or all the way through, but the refrain was sticking with me. Power over the enemy, Luke 10, 19, 20. And I just kept repeating it and repeating it and repeating it. And soon I just realized it's gone. It's just totally gone. I didn't have a headache. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. The Word of God, whether it's in a song or whether it's spoken, whatever it is, it's powerful. Glory. Yeah, it is powerful. And I want to stand before each one of y'all and let y'all know that I am have a very sinful nature. Tomorrow I will celebrate 20 years of marriage to that beautiful lady back there. But see, it wasn't always beautiful because I made a lot of geographic changes. I didn't want it to work out. And I didn't, it never was another woman involved in my life. But you see, I wasn't prepared for what the Lord was wanting her and I to do together. And so I had to make a geographic change. And we've been back together now four years. And this has been the happiest four years of my life. And it's because I even went to a lawyer to try to get a divorce and I couldn't do it. Uh, there was no way, because I was in the wrong place, and so I just forgot that. But once we got back together, see, I had to make the changes. I always thought somebody else was the problem. But you see, what I really found out is every time I look in the mirror, I see the problem. And every time I look in the mirror, I also see the solution. You see, but that's what I had to do. And I thank the Lord every day for my wife and what she has meant to me. And because I've come out of uh, the pits of hell when we were met, before we were married. And God has done a marvelous thing in my life. And you guys have no idea how grateful I am. And I just want to thank you so much. Amen. Praise the Lord. Brother. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. And amen. You have one, honey? You had testimony? I've been coming here for a little bit over a month, and I'm only in Texas because I came here to get divorced. Um, I've been married for almost seven years now, and I was running away from all of my problems, and I had a lot to run away from. And I brought my two little children with me, and I had them in a big whirlwind of a life. Um, I didn't. I thought I was coming here by accident when my mom came last month for the healing school, but I found out really quick that there are no accidents. And I met Gloria, <laughs> and <laughs> she had me amazed. We went out to dinner, and she had me just amazed with everything that she told my mom that God did. And um, just from that conversation at dinner, um, I knew I had to come back here and I had to find out what she was talking about. And I had to, I had to be close to her. Um, uh, <laughs> this is one of my babies. Um, <laughs> um, I came to church 
and um, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. Um, did I want to get divorced and move on, or did I was really just getting in line for prayer to give me strength so I could go back home, and I just had to wait it out here for a little while, but I wanted prayer so that I would have just a little bit of strength and patience until I was ready to go back home. Well, when I came up here, I ended up praying for um, my marriage to be restored. And um, I didn't realize God really moved. <laughs> I didn't know that, you know, the Bible really means what it says. And um, to make a long story short, um, my husband is here today, and he came. <laughs> he came to be delivered and for us to be a family. Amen. Praise the Lord. I can just say that is a miracle. Praise God. Thank you so much. Amen. Praise the Lord, young lady. Praise the Lord. This is what I'm talking about. This is the Spirit of God with a testimony right here. You just had another one. How many other marriages in here? How many other homes and couples are having problems? How many other people who are divorced or are separated from their husband or spouse? If there's anybody here, raise your hand right now. Stand up right now. Stand up right now. In the name of Jesus, everything that God is going to do, He will do because of His goodness. He'll real restore your life. He'll real restore things in your life. Amen. He will give you back what was stolen by the devil in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Glory. Praise the King. Praise the King. Miss Gloria's got to say something here. This beautiful she didn't, she didn't tell all the testimony. When she came, it's been so awesome. When she came, she said, when she decided that she wanted her husband back, she called me and she said, um, Gloria, she said, well, you know, I want my husband back. I said, you, you, is that what you want? She said, yes. I said, if that's what you want, then you got it. I said, God can do anything. And she was like, really? I said, yes, of course, you know. And so we started praying for him. And every time we would pray for him, God would move. And what happened was the prayer was so strong, he left where he was and went to her mom's house. Because he didn't know all the time that we had been praying for him. And I was telling her, I said, you know, who can withstand God? If God be for you, who can be against you? I said, whatever you want, God can do it. I said, we can't, I mean... He's the ruler of the universe. And I said, the kingdom of God is in us. Everything we need is on the inside of our bellies. Because God is in us, and we are, just like the Bible said, you know, people, you know, it's kind of tough, but, you know, I'm like Thurman, we're real Jesus is running around here, because that's what the Bible says. And I told her, I said, you know, I said, God is going to use that man of God. And we went out to eat. We picked him up yesterday. Well, yeah, yesterday morning, and uh, we went to eat, and the Lord had me to minister to them, well, to him, and when we were sitting at the table and I was ministering to him, he kept moving around, and I know that was the spirits in him, you know, it had to move around, because she was looking, I know what was going on. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and so, and what happened was, um, you know, and they left, and then we ministered, and they came to the healing school yesterday. Well, I was coming to the healing school yesterday, but I walked, stepped off of my porch, rushing, stepped down, missed a step, and twisted my whole ankle. 
I couldn't walk. But I said, the devil is a liar. This world is going to leave me. This pain is going to leave me. I'm putting a shoe on and I'm coming to church. And I'm here today. Amen. And I told I said, because nothing is impossible with our king. Amen. Praise the king. Praise the king. Praise the king. This little lady wants to tell you something. Well, I had kind of an interesting story. Um, I hurt my wrist. I fell on it backwards and I thought I broke it. No, doctor, nothing. I was just like, you stupid devil, get to hell. <laughs> and Mr. Scribner is the best person around. Praise <laughs> the Lord. Thank you, honey. Glory to God. We let the Lord do this thing here with these testimonies today. He's moving on people's hearts today. Praise the King. Susan. <laughs> I'm Susan. Uh, Craig and I were visiting a friend of mine, and they have a large trampoline in the backyard. Well, I like to play. So I was jumping on the trampoline, and I, I fell a funny way, um, and I twisted my knee, and I had an injury back in 97, and the pain was excruciating. It felt like hot knives, and I almost fainted. But I got off the I got off the trampoline. I couldn't even walk on it. I was hopping. And I just walked up to Craig. I mean, that was just instinctively my reaction. And he just, we were, um, we were amongst a group of carnal Christians, and so he kind of bent over and whispered and spoke in tongues. And... <laughs> So after, and then so after he finished praying, I went like this. <laughs> My knee was healed instantly. Oh, man, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Wow. <laughs> what we can do in prayer, you know, I, I think about what the things I have seen God do, just a few of them, since I've learned to pray and pray in faith. And, of course, Ty was just sharing with me a while ago, you know, some of you may or may not know that just recently he got his arm in an auger. You know, he's got a great big farm out here, and he feeds lots of cattle and everything. And he was out there praying the other day. And in the process of praying, of course, he had his eyes closed, and he got too close to one of them augers and had a loose shirt on and got his arm caught in the auger. And the first thing you know, his hand and arm is going down through that auger. And, of course, he cried out. Of course, the, he had a brand-new pair of leather gloves on. It was just tearing the gloves all pieces, shredding his hand, ripping his arm up, and he screamed out to the Lord, help me. And... The Lord just sent an angel and reached up and grabbed him around the waist and just jerked him out of that thing. <laughs> and nobody any more grateful than you, right, Ty? And then, then of course, as soon as, as soon as I heard about it, well, uh, he called, they called the minister center, either him or his wife did, and of course they prayed, and then they called me, and I prayed, and then I called him and prayed with him. Uh, over the phone and we asked the Lord to take away all his pain and heal his hand without a scar or anything and a while ago he was showing me he said look at this and he'd still got just a little bitty uh, deal back up here but all where his hand was ripped and tore up all down through there even right now all where they sewed it up and everything there's not any scar in his hand where he had that just look beautiful isn't God awesome Ty? God is awesome so let me tell you, folks, the first thing you need to do when the enemy comes against you, and many will be the trials and tests of the Christian. You know, the Lord told us, to those of us that purify ourselves and walk holy before God, many will be your trials and tests. But he said, I will lead you and guide you and direct you through them all. But see, when you pray, just like Craig and Susan did when she hurt her knee, I mean, that's the first thing that a, a man and woman of God should do is pray. I mean, and then we should believe it's done. 
See, we've, we've heard these scriptures all of our life. We've seen these songs standing on the promises. But we didn't have a clue what it meant. You know, we sing it in church, but we didn't, we'd go out and get hurt or something like this, or the devil do something to us. We wouldn't stand on the word of God. We wouldn't pray. You know, when one of our mates you know, get a little uh, obnoxious and try to go their own way and do their own thing, you know, instead of praying, we grumble and complain. Well, you know, if that's the way you're going to treat me, I'll just get a divorce. You know, that's what we do. But if you're listening to God, you know, if you're hearing what God's saying, God said, I hate divorce. He said, that's not it. He said, it's the devil that's the problem. It's not your mate. It's the enemy. So he said, this divorce stuff is nonsense. In fact, we met a lawyer up north when we were up there speaking here a while back, and he was a divorce lawyer. And he was doing things about divorce. And then one day, for some strange reason, uh, the way I remember the story, he was trying to get a couple settled in divorce, and he actually prayed or something and asked God, what should he do here? And God screamed at him, I hate divorce! <laughs> Whoa! Don't ask God something unless you want his opinion. And his opinion is exactly what's written. Don't come to me and ask me how to divide this couple up. I hate divorce. Put them back together. And so that's what he did. In fact, he totally stopped being a divorce attorney. He said, after I heard God saying, he thought, I can't do this no more. If he hates divorce, then I can't be a divorce lawyer. I'm going to have to do something else. And so he stopped being a divorce attorney. Let me tell you, God can forgive you if you get a divorce. But, you know, when you learn what his promises are between the Christians and church, number one, there should never be a divorce. You know, we should never have a divorce in the body of Christ. But unfortunately, our problem is we don't read the book. We don't understand what it says. And so we just kind of throw the book aside. You know, I had a testimony this last week, a couple that got saved about, I think, 77 or something like that, they said in their letter. And if they got saved, they tried reading the Bible. But they didn't understand it. They didn't really go to church, so they just tried to read the Bible. So after trying to read the Bible a little bit and really not being able to understand it, they just thought, well, you know, God did say pray. So they tried praying a couple of times. They didn't know how to pray in faith, so God didn't answer their prayer. And so by not answering their prayer, they thought, well, this stuff don't work. So they just throw the Bible down and start serving the devil again. Well, they had both got off into drugs, alcohol. They'd had two or three children now through their life and all kinds of things. It's bad. Their children are going bad and everything else. And then they happened to find me on GLC. And then in the process of watching me in GLC, they said the Word of God became a revelation to them. They sent me a letter the other day said, we have repented of every sin. We've stopped doing all these things. We now know as Christians we have a choice to make. We can either serve the devil or we can serve God. And they said, we've kicked out the devil. We've stopped smoking, drinking, cussing, doing all those things. And said, your teaching has totally transformed everything in our home. Well, let me tell you, that's why I do what I do. Because I want to transform people's lives. But that's what every Christian should be doing. We should be walking in such a great anointing with God's power that everybody we meet, we should pray for them. You know, I mean, just like Craig did for Susan. I mean, you know, there they are. She gets hurt. First thing you do is pray. You know, 
And, but see, we don't know that. We don't know who God is, and we don't know the power of the Word of God. So we don't come to God in prayer asking Him to do something. I think about, I mean, yesterday. Yesterday I ministered to two families yesterday that they needed their families put back together. You know, it's amazing. It's amazing how the enemy comes against a man and a woman. I mean, here you can take a, a man and a woman, and all they've got to do is realize who the enemy is. The devil is the enemy. And all you've got to do is make an intelligent choice that I will serve the living God and I will be obedient to serve the living God. So I'm going to do what God says. And you know what he said? He said, first of all, he said, husbands, love your wives. Well, Lord, how am I supposed to love this woman? He said, you're supposed to love her with an intensity that is so great that you're willing to give your life for her in every circumstance, just like I gave mine for the church. That's how you're to love her. But Lord, she's not very lovable sometimes. He said, you're not very lovable sometimes either. But he said, I died for you and I gave my life for you. So he said, if I was willing to do that for you, that's how you're to love your mate. You're to love her like that. And then, Lord, what am I supposed to do as a woman? You're to submit to him. Lord, over his dead body will I submit to him. (laughs) He said, well, okay. If you want to be sick and afflicted and your children to be sick and afflicted and you want to live in hell on earth, just go ahead and do it your way instead of mine. He said, if you'll do it mine and you'll submit to him, I think about this awesome story that I've told about one of the greatest men of faith that's ever walked on this earth. When he was young, he wasn't a man of faith like most men are not. And he married a beautiful girl. And he married this beautiful girl. And the reason he married her, when he saw her, he's like all men. He walks in, and he's 20 years old, and he looks and he sees this woman. And man, she's pretty. Well, that it, last time I checked, that's what turns most men on. Every man wants a beautiful wife. Now, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. You know, so what will be beautiful? I mean, I've, one time I was there looking at, talking to a, uh, a young man, and he, lo- he said, Ooh, look at that girl. I said, okay. He said, isn't she beautiful? He said, that girl, I'm going with that girl, and that girl's going to be my wife. I looked at her a minute, and I thought, what a, what a, one of us is seeing something different. <laughs> to me, she wasn't pretty at all. But to him, she was a knockout. I mean, but see, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. You know, she was everything he wanted in a woman. And then, of course, later, you know, another guy come he's talking a few days later. He said, you see that girl right there? I said, yeah. He said, isn't she the sweetest thing you've ever seen? And I looked at her a minute and I thought, okay, if that's the way you see her, that's okay. But aren't we glad that beauty is in the eye of the beholder? Because if beauty wasn't in the eye of the beholder, then there would only be one type of person and every man would want the same woman. Now, I am certainly glad that every man don't want the same woman, and I'm certainly glad that every woman don't look at every man the same. Because some woman will look at some guy and she said, Ooh, look at that guy. Isn't he? He said, that's my husband. 
I said, wow. I looked at it and said, oh. You know, and I mean, you know, it depends on what turns you on, you know. I mean, the guy, you know, who knows? I mean, maybe the guy's got long curly hair. Maybe he don't have no hair. Or, you know, uh, who knows how he looks. But to her, he's the most beautiful, handsome thing she ever saw. And so that's the whole thing. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And I'm grateful that God made us like that because what will set one man on fire, it won't do nothing for another one. You know, won't do nothing for another one. So, but that's the way God is. But when you get that one, when you take that man and woman and they get married and the two become one, let me tell you, you made a covenant with God now. You made a covenant with God. And this is not a trial run, ladies and gentlemen. I don't care if you've been here five years or 50 years. This is not a trial run to see if the two of you are compatible. When you make a covenant with each other as far as God's concerned, it's done, it's sealed, it's it. I don't care what kind of knockdown drag out you may have in your life. There's no such options as divorce. You are to work out whatever your complications are. And I'm going to tell you, I don't care who you are. I don't care how beautiful. You can take a guy that marries a woman that, that you would think. In fact, I remember a man and woman one time. That were, that were good friends of mine. I met them, and then they became good friends of mine. And when I first met them, I thought, if I ever saw a couple that is the most magnificently perfect match couple, they were, I mean, at least in my eyes, he was a handsome man. Oh, I mean, you know, he was everything I thought a man should be. I mean, this guy's about six foot one. He weighed about 185 pounds. He had muscles. You know, he was slim and trim. I mean, he was very intelligent. I thought, man. That's a man. I mean, this guy could work. He could run. He could. To me, that's a, that's a real man. That's that's what I look at as a man. But see, your concept of a man may be totally different. But he was a man's man to me. And then I looked at his wife. He had. She might have weighed about. She was about five. He was about six one. She was about five seven. She weighed about one thirty five. And she had every curve in the right place. I mean, she was beautiful. Woo, was she beautiful? I thought, if I ever saw a man and a woman that was perfect together, I said, God, you put that couple together, they are absolutely perfect. I mean, see, I'm looking at this from one place, a physical man. Well, let me tell you what. That couple had problems and problems and problems and problems, and finally that man divorced that woman and married another woman. When I looked at that other woman he married, I thought, what is wrong with you, you fool? That woman he married, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have touched her. I wouldn't have had nothing to do with her. She was so far from what I thought a woman should be. I thought, but here's this man. He married the most beautiful woman. One of the most beautiful women I thought I'd ever seen. And married this other woman. And he's happy. I thought, what is wrong with this picture? Well, see, I picture that I'm looking at beauty is in the eye of the beholder. You know, that's the whole thing. So when you look at people, God's made us many different ways. But if you're married, you have no options to divorce. But when you marry a man or a woman, when you marry them and you look at them, and usually in your own eyes, in your own mind, you marry, most people do, some people just marry because they want to get married. Some people marry for the wrong reasons. You know, some people think, well, gee, I'm never going to get married, so I'm just going to take anything that comes along. Well, let me tell you what, if you marry for that reason, you're sealed in that forever. There's no options after that. Did you know what? Somebody said, I just can't love my husband. Let me tell you what, that's a lie. 
Let me tell you that love is an act of your will. You can love anybody. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how skinny you are. I don't care how fat you are. I don't care where you're at in between. I don't care how intelligent you are. I don't care how in... I mean, I don't care what the condition of the human being is. Love is an act of your will. And you can will to love someone or you can will to hate that person. Just that easy. That man and woman I was telling you about, if I ever saw a couple I thought was perfect, it was that couple. I even went and sat down and talked with that man one day. And you know what he said? He said, my wife is not submissive to me. That was his excuse. So I went and sat down with this beautiful woman. And I told her, I said, ma'am, you know why your husband says he wants a divorce? She said, well, he's told me lots of things. I said, he says you're not submissive to him. She said, Thurman, that man has never asked me to do anything in my life that I didn't submit to. She said, that's not true. She said, I am very submissive to him. I walked in the... And this, this couple was very powerful in the church, both of them. Very strong Christians. The devil can get in between anybody. And he broke that couple up. You know that man? I looked him right in the eye and told him, I said, you know, Mike, I doubt your salvation. I doubt you really know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I said, if you really know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you're serving as a deacon in the church and everything else, I said, I'm going to tell you, you've read the Word of God, you know what the Word of God says, and you know the Word of God says, husband, you are to love your wives. I said, you are yielding to the enemy. You're not yielding to the Spirit of the living God. And I said, all you've got to do is go back and walk in. When you walk into the house, all you've got to do is walk in and grab that beautiful woman God has given you. Reach up and grab her by the shoulders and look her right in the eye and say, Honey, you're the most beautiful thing I ever saw in my life. I love you with all my heart. That's all you've got to do is tell her. I said, and be serious in your heart. And I said, ma'am, when I talked to her, I said, all you've got to do is lay down your pride and go back up to him and, and, and grab him and tell him, honey, I love you with all my heart. I want to be submissive to you. I want to know what you want me to do that will make you love me. <clears throat> Dangerous question to ask your mate. You know, but every man and woman needs to ask. You, you want to say something, Gloria? Oh, we got okay. Well, I'll, I'll get to it in just a second. Okay, but the thing about it is, when it comes to these problems we're experiencing with men and women, you got to realize the problem is not each other; it's the devil. The problem is the devil in your flesh. There's not any two people in the church that can't get along if they will do what God says in His Word. Now then, here's the thing. Just like Gloria told us there a while ago, we can change people with prayer. Somebody said, well, they got their own free will. I'm going to tell you, they got their own free will, but that own free will is being acted upon by the devil. Now, I'm going to tell you that what Gloria did with this couple back here in prayer and how she's changed them or how the Lord has changed them through prayer. I've told some of you, 
this awesome testimony. First time I told her to Sherry, she just like to jumped out the roof. She said, the church has got to hear that testimony. Well, I told it two or three times since then, but I hadn't told it in ten years until the other day. And then I've told it two or three times in the last few months. But I'm going to tell you, when a man calls me on the telephone and says, I want you to pray for my ex-wife. She has left me and the children, and she's gone to work in a strip club, dancing. I said, she wasn't saved, was she? She said, no, she didn't know Jesus. Well, see, the first problem is a man and a woman is never supposed to marry if one of them's a believer and one of them's an unbeliever. You're never supposed to marry an unbeliever. You know, that's the absolute no in the word of, in the kingdom. You're not to go out and marry someone unless they are a strong believer. Well, this boy, he was turned on by what all young men are turned on by. She was a beautiful woman. Beautiful. I mean, everything about her was beautiful. Anyway, they were married a while, had a couple of children, and then the devil led her off, and she quits him and divorces him and goes down and goes to work in a strip club dancing, nightclub stripper, up on one of the platforms, he said. And she took her clothes all off and danced before those men. All of them. Not part of them. All of them. Did that every night. Every night. Men had sold $50 bills, $100 bills, and the wilder she got, the bigger become the tips. She loved what she did. She made lots of money. She was lost. She didn't care. Exposing her body to all these men. They were all lost too. Fleshly things of the world. I told him, I said, son, I'm going to go to the throne of grace and I'm going to kick the devil out of your wife. He had never heard a statement like that in his life. I went to Hebrews 4.16. I went to the throne of grace. I walked into the throne of God and I began to worship and praise. You know, you happen to know, and most Christians don't even know this, as sons and daughters of the King, we have the privilege to come into the throne room of God anytime we want to, 24-7, because of the blood of Jesus. I walked into the throne of God and I began to worship and praise the King. And then I called Satan in and I told him I'm talking directly to you <clears throat> and I'm taking authority over you. And I quoted the Word of God that guaranteed that I had power and authority over the devil and he had to be subject to me. And I kicked that devil out of that woman's life. I said, now you will get away from her in the name of Jesus. I said, now Father... I ask you to send the precious Holy Spirit that's down on earth to this woman and begin to convict her of sin and draw her into the kingdom of God. And I said, Lord, I ask you to send a proper labor into the harvest. And I said, it wants to, he, her husband here wants to be the laborer that will lead her into the kingdom. I said, Lord, I ask you to let, if he can be that perfect witness, I want you to let him be the one that will bring his wife into the kingdom of God and get her saved. And then I said, bring her home and put them back together and, and let them live together as man and woman. That's what they're supposed to be, man and wife. I said, Lord, thank you. It's done. I said, son, your wife's going to come home. I guarantee it because Jesus made you the promises. I said, now then, call me. Let me know whenever it happens. And I hung the phone up on Friday night. The next Friday night was only on the TV every Friday. So the next Friday evening, as soon as our show went online and the TV, the numbers come up, he dialed that number, and I was the first caller that it came to and I said, good afternoon, this is Thurman Scripture, how can I help you? He said, I, he said praise God. He said, I need to, I need to talk, actually, I said, this, I, I forget now what I mean, he said, I need to talk to Thurman. That's what he said. I said, this is Thurman, how can I help you? He said, I'm so-and-so. I said, okay, son, how can I help you? He said, you don't remember me. I said, son, I talked to lots of people. No, I don't remember you. He said, I'm the man that had the wife that was a stripper. 
Well, now let me tell you, I don't get a call like that every Friday night, so I remember that. I remember that. I'm not that dense. So I, I said, oh, yeah, I remember you well. He said, let me tell you what happened. He said, within an hour after I hung up the phone, my ex-wife called me and said she was down at that club, and all of a sudden it's like scales fell off of her eyes, and for the first time she could see what she was doing. And she said, he said she turned in her uniforms, she called me and asked me to come get her, and I went down there and got her and brought her home and said that night I had the privilege to lead her to Jesus and got her saved. He said the next morning we went and found a preacher and we got remarried, and he said this week's been a wonderful week in our home. I said, well, praise God, son. I said, how long have you and your wife been divorced? And this is what blew me away. Fourteen years she had been gone. Fourteen years the devil had blinded that woman's mind. And here's a woman, a woman that's lost, that's down there on a, on a elevated platform before a bunch of men. And it's unfortunate some of those men might have been men of God. They might have known Jesus, but let me tell you, they didn't know him very well. If a man of God's in a place like that, something's wrong with him. If you're a man, of, if you're a man that comes to a church on Sunday and you attend those kind of places on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Saturday or Friday night, let me tell you, you need to know the Jesus I know. Because he's a different Jesus than you know. I don't take my Jesus into those kind of places unless I go in there to do something for him. I will say one night I heard a tremendous testimony of a group of young people. Their leader in the area where they live, they had got more and more of these nightclubs like this in the community where they lived. One night, one of the leaders of the church, the youth, he said, you know, I think it's time we do something about this. Let's start praying. So they started praying. And they prayed for a week or two. Every night, all these youth, they met and prayed and come against the forces of darkness and demanded that every one of these places fail in the name of Jesus. They didn't want them in their community. So after a couple of weeks of praying, he said, okay, tonight we're going to do something about it. We're going to get, and it was a big church. He said, we're going to get every youth, we're going to get in buses and have three or four busloads of these children, these people, anywhere from 12 to 18 years old. He said, we're going to go down the street, we're going to take a busload of everybody, we're going to stop in front of every one of these things. And he said, when I give the signal, the leaders in the bus is going to go out and go inside of those places. And the rest of you are going to go up and put your hands on the outside of the building. We're going to begin to rebuke the devil and cause these places to fail in the name of Jesus. So they drove a bus in front of every one of those places. And they got, when he gave the signal, they ran out in three or four or five of the older men, the men that were involved with these children and everything, and some of them were only 18, 20, 22, 25 years old, they went running in the club, right in the front, screaming, Jesus is Lord! Jesus is Lord! Everybody in here needs to know Jesus! We rebuked the devil in this place! Jesus is Lord! And all the children hit the outside of the place, screaming, Jesus is Lord! Satan, we will not have you in our community! And that night, everybody in those places ran out of those places, and Every one of those places closed that night. Not next week. Every place on that block closed that night. When Jesus said, all power is given to me and my children, folks, that's what he meant. He wasn't just talking to hear his head rattle. He was talking to tell us that we are the greatest entity that's ever walked on the earth. And you've got to have some tough love. 
You've got to know how to do it, and you've got to realize who the enemy is, and you don't let the enemy run over you. But we in the church, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be as hard on you today as I know how. I'm going to tell you the church is a gutless wonder today. Somebody can just walk up to you and say something to you. Dan, I don't like the way you look today. Say, well, if that's the way you're going to act, then I won't never come back here. I'll just, you offend me, and I'll just get out and leave. That's the way we are. Instead of saying, well, brother, you've had a bad day today. Praise God, let's go have a cup of coffee together, okay? That's the way we ought to do it, right, man? Everybody has a bad day once in a while. You don't let it get through to you. You know, you just take it with a grain of salt and say, you're my brother in Christ, you're part of this body just like I am. Let's go sit down and talk about this. And if everything else is, if I can't get everything else done, I'll kick that devil out of you before I leave you today. In the name of Jesus, I'll get you set free because that's who you're listening to is the devil. You know, don't take an offense from another member of the body of Christ. Don't be here to condemn each other. Let's realize who the enemy is. And let's start walking in obedience whenever your husband like we're talking about husbands and wives, when your husband get, comes against you or your wife comes against you, don't take offense. Your wife walks in today and looks right in the eye and says, I hate you and I want a divorce. Okay, honey, no problem. Why don't you go do what you want to do? I've got to, I've got to take you to the throne of grace for a little while here. I'm going in to talk to the king about you. I'm going to kick a few devils out of you. Be like I did Cheryl the other day. Whenever uh, I did this yesterday at the healing school, I mean, I don't know, I guess she went somewhere else. I don't know where she went, but anyway, but anyway, I, I said, you know, if people, if people were to see what I did to my wife the other day, if the average Baptist Christian or any other Christian had walked in when I did what I did to Cheryl, the average person, if they'd have just saw that, and that happened to walk in my house at the right time, they would have said, Thurman is crazy. He has lost his mind. Cheryl comes walking into my computer room where I'm keeping up with all the records and everything else. And she comes in there and she says, Honey, you've got to pray for me. I've got to sing tonight and I can't hardly talk. Well, who do you think that is that's messing up her voice? Who do you think that is? The devil. Of course it is. When she said that to me, I turned around and I reached her by and grabbed her by the throat and I said, Come out of her, you devil of hell, in the name of Jesus. I mean, I'm shaking her. I got her right around the throat. What would you thought, Jack, if you'd have seen me doing that to Cheryl, huh? <laughs> you'd have known what I was doing, though, wouldn't you? But see, I wasn't attacking my wife, but a lot of people would have thought I was. If you'd have walked in and saw me treating Cheryl like that, you'd have thought, what is wrong with this idiot? But let me tell you what, when I got through, I said, now that that devil's gone, say something. She said, hey, honey, I can talk normal. I said, praise God. I said, now you go sing to them people tonight. See, my bride, when she gets down, she knows who the priest is in her home. She knows who's in charge. She knows that God has given me the power to take care of her, to kick devils out of her. And when the devils come into us to put some kind of problem, just like the other night, she woke me up at 4 o'clock in the morning. She said, honey, I have rebuked this devil. I've done everything I know to do. My foot is killing me. She said, it's hurting so bad, and I absolutely can't sleep. She said, I've rebuked it, I've done everything, but it ain't going away. I said, hand that foot up to me. She pulled that foot up, and I reached down and grabbed that heel. I said, now come out of here, you devil of hell. I ain't playing game for you. Get out so me and her both can get some sleep. I said, now it's written in the Word of God with a power and authority over you. And Jesus bore our sickness, bore our pain. So I said, go in the name of Jesus. Bam, just like that. He's gone. She said, Woo, thank you. Why didn't he leave when I left, whenever I rebuked him? 
I said, you just don't have enough faith. And besides that, you're a priest that land here. And God said, I put you in charge and not you. So he said, you wake me up and I'll rebuke that devil and I'll drive him out. And she laid there and had a perfect night. Sleep then. No more problem. And with power did he give me and you over the devil, Jack? What is it we don't understand about that? Are we dense? We're too dense, right? But it's time we stop being dense, right? Yeah, when the devil comes into our houses, here we are sons and daughters of the king of the universe. So when the devil comes in and, and he works on women, or men either one, walks up on a man, you know, he says, you know, oh, you know that girl down at the office, she's so much prettier than you are. Huh, when that thought comes around, you say, devil of hell, in the name of Jesus, don't you dare put a thought like that in my mind. I ain't going there. I'm married to a woman. I mean, and my wife is the most beautiful thing i ever seen. I don't care who you're married to. Your wife ought to be the most beautiful woman you've ever seen. That's the way you should see your wife. The most beautiful woman that you've ever seen. And you ought to tell her that right, Billy. Yes, sure. Let me get a mic. Hold it just a minute. Praise the King. Glory to God. I think this fits in here because when the scripture that says God didn't give me a spirit of fear but of love, power, and a sound mind. That word sound in sound mind in the Hebrew language means a disciplined mind. So right there, he didn't take fear. I mean, the example you gave, the guy didn't take fear the, about this other woman. He just used a disciplined mind. He took his mind back to the word, back to where it needed to be. That's awesome. The Word works, and God is so good. Amen. He's more than good. I'm telling you, but see, that's when the Lord told us as Christians to capture every thought. Every thought. Make every thought obedient to the plans of Christ. So you don't allow the enemy to beat up on you. No way, form, or fashion. You walk holy in obedience to God's Word. You, your responsibility is to love your mate. You love your mate. Husbands, love your wives. How am I supposed to love her? Even to the point that I would give my life for her. How much more love can you give than that? You're willing to die for that woman. You're willing to give your life for that woman. She's your mate. If a man is willing to love that woman like that. And let me tell you something else. Let me tell you something else that will help. Something that I've realized that so many men and women do. And I, I realized even today. I mean, Cheryl and I hadn't been married but 10 months. And I got up this morning, went in, done some more studying, had a bunch of stuff I had to do while she slept. She gets up, she gets ready to go, and I realized that she's almost probably half ready, and I haven't been in yet to hold her in my arms and tell her I love her. I mean, it's ten months now. It's old hat now, right? No. You're supposed to be on your honeymoon forever. It's supposed to never stop. So I stopped what I was doing. I went in, walked up behind her, put my hands on her shoulders, had her to turn around, and I embraced her and told her how much I loved her. Every man should do that regularly to his mate, right, Ty? It's a routine way of doing business, you know. You should tell your woman on a regular basis how much you love her and how beautiful she is. And then when you get in the car and you start to church, I look over, she's putting her makeup on, I look to her and say, I want to tell you again how much I love you. I want to tell you how beautiful you are this morning. Now then, 
if a man treats his wife like that, you probably won't never have a problem with a divorce. It won't never happen. Then if the husband asks the wife to do something, usually she won't have a problem doing it. And if it is a time when she feels like she's going to have a problem doing something, she should do everything in her power to do it for you anyway. Because God made the woman for the man. Ladies, you need to remember that, who you're made for. You're made for your husband. And God says in his word for you women that will be subject to your husbands and love them just like Sarah called Abraham Lord. He said, you're my daughters indeed if you will do that to your husbands. And I've, I've seen some women that absolutely will not submit to their husbands. But I'm going to tell you, when that happens, there's problems in the home. The woman is to be subject to her husband. She is to love him. I mean, she is to meet his physical and spiritual needs. He has many. I don't know you have them. But you're to be one together. You're to learn these things. As a woman, you're to love your husband. You're to tell him how much you love him. You're not to stay away from him. You're to love him. I mean, love him. And the husbands are supposed to love the wives. You're supposed to go places together, do things together. You're supposed to eat together. You're supposed to love together. You're supposed to play together. You're supposed to do everything together. And when you do that, you won't have the problem we have. So you need to love. We had a testimony over here. Gloria, who was it that had the testimony? Who was it? Right up here? <clears throat> we'll take that and then we'll, we're going to get started. It's amazing how God changes everything I want to do when I come in here. You know, so, okay, brother, please hold it up to your own. All you got to do is hold it up to you, close to you, and talk. Uh, uh, first of all, I'd like to thank God for uh, my wife and Gloria that prayed for me. Uh, I was real bad into drugs and crime. I was real bad. I, I didn't, when she called and asked me to, to come over here and talk with Thurman and, you know, give it a shot again, I kind of thought in my head, I wasn't sure. I was like, okay, now how am I going to get out of this hole that I'm in? It was pretty deep. And um, I was just licking up because I knew I was deep. I, was, I, was, I think I was as far in crime that I could go. I mean, if I would have done anything else, I would have been in prison right now. And the only way I could say it, like a sharp left turn, the door opened, and it just, I just shot right out the side. And, and it's, it's, it's strange the way things happen all of a sudden real, real fast. And, and on the bus ride over, and I think it was a week that I was at my mother-in-law's house, the second was trying to eat me up the whole the whole time, all the time, and I just I thank God for just bringing me here. I know there's a lot more for me to learn still, but as far as I am right here, I just I'm happy. I've never been happier in my whole life. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Praise the Lord, son. Amen. <laughs> wow. God is awesome, isn't he? Oh, by the way, he did say pray about a few things. <laughs> Didn't he? What did he say pray about? All, All things. Now, if when we get to where we believe him, when things happen, you will start praying about all things. And when you pray about all things, then you will see God do great and mighty things in your life. 
When you learn to go to the throne of grace, you can see God do great and awesome things. So, anyway, I'm going to read a scripture to you. And this, this was not in my message today. Not at all. But I never know what God's going to do. More times than not, when I come here, I don't never teach what I have planned. Uh, you know, but that's God, you know, so he does what he wants to do. But I, today, right now, with what we're saying here, as Christians, as Christians, and I'm assuming, and I know that's a terrible thing to do, but I'm assuming that most people in here today are born again Christians, that you do know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Well, I'm going to show you something right here in the Word of God, that when I got a hold of this, and what he really meant here in the Scripture, I'm going to tell you, I used to wonder when the Lord says, I came and destroyed the works of the devil. And, you know, and, and I read scriptures all throughout that confirmed that he destroyed the works of the devil. And I thought to myself, well, if he destroyed the works of the devil, then my question is, why isn't God running things out here instead of the devil? Because I don't know about the world you live in, but the world I live in, Everywhere I go, it appears the devil's in control instead of Jesus. I mean, all you got to do is just drive out on the highway. That's all you got to do. Just drive out on the highway. And I'm going to tell you. I mean, from yesterday to today, in fact, one time yesterday, I'm driving the speed limit right on the money, and a car passes me and pulls in so close in front of me, Cheryl even jumped because it was on her side. (laughs) She said, that guy nearly hit us. I said, I know. I know. I'm driving exactly the speed limit. So that meant they're driving significantly above the speed limit. Well, it happened a couple of times coming here today. So you think, on the highway, who's in control? God or the devil? Well, let me tell you, if God was in control, even of your life, Christians, the ones of us that profess to be Christians, we would not need any law officers to take care of us. We wouldn't need them. Because God told us as Christians to obey the laws of the land. So, therefore, you would never speed. You know, if you were a Christian that believed the word of God, when you got on the highway, you'd watch the speed signs, you'd watch your speedometer, and if it said 30, you'd drive 30, not 38 or 39, you know, right, and looking for cops everywhere, you know. Let me see, make sure there ain't nobody sitting at the top of the hill, you know. We would drive the speed limit. But, listen to this scripture. In Romans 6.16, this is a powerful thing when you get revelation of what he's talking about. Know you not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey? Know you not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey? His servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin, which leads unto death, or of obedience, which leads unto righteousness. Now then, why is the devil still running things, even in the Christian world? Because we as Christians don't believe that scripture. If I have the Holy Ghost in me, I have the power within me to yield to whomever I want to yield to. Now let me tell you, let me make this statement, and I know some of you is not going to like it. But every born-again, spirit-filled Christian that really has realized their identification with Christ 
and really come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, there won't never be a divorce in that family. It can't be. There won't never be a son, a child, a young man or a young woman, won't never be one that has met the criteria of what I just said, that has learned who they are in Christ, their identity with Christ, and Christ is in them, when they really realize it, you won't never find one of them in prison. You won't never find one of them smoking a cigarette. You won't never find one of them taking a drink of alcohol. You won't never find one of them speaking words of profanity. You won't never find one of them watching pornography. It will not happen. It can't happen. Now then, why is the church living in all those places? Because they have not realized who their identity is in Christ and who they are. So they're yielding to the world. They're yielding to the devil. When you get a hold of who you are, you realize you're not just a human being. You are a daughter of the king of the universe. You're a son of the living God. And he's in you. You can't get no closer than that. And he says, in me, and I'm leaving you an example. I am leaving an example for you to follow. And in me there was no sin. None. There was no guile in my mouth. No deceit. Even when they threatened me, I didn't return a threatening. I just turned them over to him who judges righteously. That is the Father. And then he says, So therefore you being dead to sins. Do you know when you become a born again Christian and you're baptized in the water, technically speaking, as far as God's concerned, you're dead? You're dead. You're to stay dead. You're not to resurrect that beast. You're to leave it down in that water. You're resurrected to walk in newness of life. And I wished I had have only known those things when I was young. Oh, God. If I had only known when I was a young man. You wouldn't walk where you walked if you'd have known that, would you, Ty? No. I mean, you were a worldly man just like many of us. You lived in a world. You thought you was having fun. You didn't know you was leading to death. You didn't know you was going down a road that was going to take you to death and hell. Have no idea. You thought you were just having fun. You're doing what all young men do. That's what we did. But one day, praise God, somebody prayed for us, come along and snatched us out of the pit of hell and made us sons and daughters of the Most High God. But nobody ever told us we're not supposed to send them more after that. Nobody ever told us that we're identified with Christ. Just like Gloria said, what ago, we're Christ. He's in us. We're little Jesus is running around on this earth. Yeah, you're supposed to stay dead and let Him live through you. And when He lives through you, wow, there's nothing impossible with you. Nothing. You don't yield to the things of the world after that. I mean, some. in fact, I had a man come down from a big city. He owned a company. And I had met him years ago. And this had been years ago. This guy come down and he wanted me to come down to Dallas to a business meeting with him one day. So we come down. You know, that day I had off. I don't remember what day of the week it was, but it was one. Maybe it was a Saturday. I don't remember now. It's been so many years ago. So we go to this little business meeting he's at, and I kind of enjoyed all the stuff, but I didn't enjoy the smoking and the profanity and everything else that the men did. 
But, you know, I enjoyed the little, what I learned about engineering. He owned an engineering plant. He designed and built things. So my interest was in that area. Well, on the way back, we started coming down the road, and he says, I'm going to make a little detour here. I'm going to run by one of my favorite places. I said, what's that? He said, I'll show you in a minute. So we come down on some street back over here somewhere in Dallas, and we pull in in front of a place, and it says Gentleman's Club. I don't know what that is. I ain't never been in one of these places. I mean, I thought, well, he's a gentleman, so a gentleman. I thought this was a nice place to eat or something. Maybe he's going to take me. I mean, I'm naive. If you ain't lived in the world, you don't know what it's like. So we walk in, and the first thing I saw was things like I told you about this girl a while ago. Here's a girl dancing on the platform naked. Not a stitch of clothes on. I thought, whoa, what have we walked into? I said, I think maybe we better leave. He said, no, let's sit down here and have a beer. I said, I don't drink beer. He said, well, let's just say you can order a Coke. I just, want, I just want to stay a few minutes. I said, if my wife wants to find out, I said, a place like this, you'd kill me. And then I got to thinking, who cares about my wife? It's God I'm worried about. <laughs> who cares about my wife? All she can do is get mad at me. God, he can kill me. Lord, oh Lord, I said, let's get out of this place. So I, I became so intense with him. He said, good grief. I said, look, I'm a Christian. I said, if I, I can't stay in this place. I, gotta, I said, you can stay if you want to. I'm going to go back inside the car. He said, well, goodness gracious, if you were that adamant about it. He said, okay, we'll go home. You know, so we left. I didn't know what a gentleman's club was. I thought it was a gentleman's place. I found out them guys in there are not gentlemen, let me tell you. They're as far from being a gentleman as anything the word means. I mean, wow, what a wicked snake pit. A place of hell. And there was men in there. There was clapping and throwing money up on the stage. I saw a lot of things in those few seconds I was in there. I thought, wow. And did you know? Now then, you don't have to tell me. When I see something at a gentleman's club, I know it's a place I don't want to go in. I don't want to go there. You know? Now then, would I go in one of those places? Under the right conditions, in the name of Jesus, under the power of the Holy Ghost, if he tells me, go in that place and I'll clean this place out, yes. I'll walk in there in the name of Jesus. But that's the only way I'm going in there. I'm not going in there under no other conditions. You know, everywhere we go, everything we do needs to bring glory and honor to God. Who did he say we could serve there in Romans 6.16? Whoever we want to. You as a child of God, can you serve the devil? Sure you can. Can you serve God? Sure you can. Just look what he said. Romans 6, 16. Know you not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey? His servants you are to whom you obey. Whether of sin which leads unto death. You want to know why so many Christians die early? Because they serve the enemy. And the enemy comes to do what? Steal, kill, and to destroy. Now, who did, since God defeated the devil 2,000 years ago through his son Jesus, 
and totally, totally restored his power and took away all of his armor and power. Now that he's given us the power through the word to serve him, to do anything we want to do. In the name of Jesus. And he's given us a book full of promises. And then once, he, once we serve him, I want you to turn to Second Peter chapter 1 and I'm going to show you what you can do when, when this becomes a reality to you. I want you to see in Second Peter chapter 1 what you can do. Second Peter chapter 1. This is where every Christian should walk. And I read this I don't know how many times, but before I could believe that this book meant what it said. Because I got an enemy that's blinding my mind to the truth. Every time I could, every time he could, he was blinding my mind. That's just like yesterday at the healing school. Yesterday at the healing school, I had a little lady sitting right up here on the front. Had had Graves' disease for 15 years. It's not curable. She had been completely healed of that, and she was ecstatic. Been married, I think, 17 years, and 15 of the 17, she'd been down with a sickness and disease, and her marriage had been miserable because of her sickness and disease. She got a hold of the Word of God and got completely healed from Graves' disease, and she just couldn't sit still yesterday. She was so happy. And in Rusty... A guy that has been here, I don't know how many times, and some of you have been to his school, seen Rusty come in his wheelchair, he's seen him try to walk, seen him try to do all kinds of things, and he never could. Yesterday, Rusty come walking in here, ecstatic, he finally got a hold of it, that God meant what he said, it was already done, so Rusty jumped out of his wheelchair. Yesterday, he come walking in here, he came up here, had to give a testimony, tell him about what God done for him, but at the end of mission, he said, you know, i got to go home because I'm going home and mow my yard. Is that awesome? He said, when I finally got a hold of it, sitting in that wheelchair, finally when it soaked into me that Jesus already did this for me 2,000 years ago, he said, I don't have to be in this wheelchair no more. It's time for me to get up and walk. He just jumped out of that thing and said, praise God, it's done. And he's been walking ever since, and he hadn't used the wheelchair. And yesterday he was here, gave his testimony. And he said, praise God, come in the tent of me. He said, I'd love to say the rest of him. I said, I need to go home and mow my yard. So walked out here, walked out here, going home, going mow his yard. Huh? He had MS. Yeah, he had MS. That's what he had. Had MS. He was crippled. Now then, you can yield to anybody. You can yield to the devil, or you can yield to God. If you yield to the devil, and you believe it, then you'll die. But look here in Second Peter chapter 1. I can see Peter, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, and to them that have obtained the like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and of our Savior Jesus Christ. He's talking to you and me, supposedly. But I read that and I didn't realize he's talking to me. To them that have obtained like precious faith. Or you and I, once we become born again children of the King, we become possessors of this like precious faith. We become partakers of Jesus. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Same Christ that's in Peter is in you and me. No difference. Same God. Ain't no difference between you and Peter. 
Except Peter believes the word and we don't. That's the only difference. To them that have obtained the like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. So you didn't have a thing to do with it except Jesus did it for you. You just received something by faith and you become the righteousness of God in Christ. Then he said, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Through the knowledge of God. So you've got to read the book. When you read the book and through this knowledge, you begin to understand who you are and what you can do. Now listen to what he says. According as his divine power has given unto us a few things that pertain to life and godliness. Oh, now wait a minute. It couldn't possibly mean that then. He couldn't possibly have given us all things. Then if he's already given us all things, why aren't we out there begging and pleading for God to do something for us all the time in prayer? Aren't we stupid? We've got to read it. He's given us a few things. Oh, God, please heal me. Oh, God, please save my aunt. Oh, God, please do this. He said, why do you give me all that stuff? Oh, Lord, please set me free from the devil. Oh, Lord, please do something to the devil in my life. Don't you see the devil run around beating me up? He said, I already defeated the beast. I give, took all his weapons away from him. I gave you all power and authority. You don't have to beg and plead me for nothing. I will give you all these things. They're all yours. All of them are yours. What? According as his divine power has given unto us all things, all things, but what are these all things for? These things that pertain unto life and godliness. That life? You mean that you mean you get your hand caught in order, mean you can pray over that thing and it heal up without a scar? Yes. Woo! Is that exciting? Yes. <laughs> I mean, we don't have to take that. I mean, if the devil shirks his arm in there and cuts his arm halfway off, oh you got this screen, Jesus saved me. And he sends an angel, puts his arm around your waist, and jerks you out of that thing. You know what most people say? That thing starts sucking in there and starts saying, Oh, G-D-S-O-B, look at my arm. Well, let me tell you, if you say that, it'll suck you right in there, I guarantee. So if you're giving glory to the devil instead of Jesus. And the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, right? So you call out to the Lord. Lord, save me. I mean, can you think what's, what's in your heart? Where does it come out? Your mouth. So what's in Ty's heart? The Word of God's in his heart. So when that auger, that devil tried to get him and jerk him in there, man, he's spitting out the word of God. And he's calling on the king. The king, I can just see the king up there saying, oh, I've got my little son's attention right there, hadn't I? I ain't going get him right quick. He had your attention, didn't he, Woo! You all being drugged through an auger, you're seeing skin and stuff tired. He got your attention. It's time to call on the king. So he did. And of course the king set up just like today. That Sarah there, she's sitting up here. I mean, that day Sarah's going over in her Jeep. I mean, that thing's going upside down. She's screaming, Lord, suffer me. Preserve me. That thing turns completely upside down, rolls over, goes down in the creek, banks way down there, totally destroys the car, breaks the glass, glass all over everything. And the police officer gets down there, opens the back door with that grand Cherokee to crawl up in there to get her out because you can't get a single door open on it. Pulls her out through all that glass, takes her in a piece of glass on her, and she ain't got a mark on her, and ain't got a bruise on her nowhere. Jesus preserved her, just like she screamed. Dan, I got tickled. He said, you know, I can reach up to Sarah and just play a little and pinch you on the arm like that, and she'll have a bruise. That's how easy she bruises. 
And he said, she even went through that wreck and didn't even have a bruise. That's what you said that time. Not a bruise. What did she do? Cried out, Jesus, preserve me. So, so. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, yeah. Yeah, but you knew that. Yeah, you knew that in your spirit. And the Lord did exactly. You called on the name of the Lord. And he saved you. See? So what does he say now? According as his divine power has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. He gives you the name of Jesus. He gives tithe the name of Jesus. He called on him. An angel jerked him out of that altar. Called in the name of Jesus. And Jesus protects her in an automobile wreck. Totally destroys the car. But no damage to her. Tears his hand up. Pray the prayer of faith over him. Now that he's given us all these things. Let's go over a little further that pertain to life and godliness. And we get them through the knowledge of him that has called us to, called him to us to glory and virtue. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So with these great and precious promises, once the devil had pulled your arm in there and told you, we can come and pray. We can ask the Lord through these great and precious promises, which are yes and amen every time. Father, take away Ty's pain. You bore his pain so he don't have to bear it. Lord, Heal those hands and that arm and everything. And Lord, we don't want just a normal healing. We, I mean, we realized they had to sew it all up down there. So there's going to be a big old scar there normally. And a bunch of places where the threads and everything. We don't want none of that, Lord. We want that hand to be beautiful and clean and pure without a single scar on his hand. Nowhere in the name of Jesus. Yes. See, now, the, now the, with these great and precious promises, we can become partakers of whose nature? God, you think God's got scars in his body, Susan? Only in his hands where he wants us to see them, in his feet. That's the only place. But the rest of it he don't have. I'm going to tell you, we take, we become partakers of the divine nature of God in true prayer and believe in these things. You can walk in and see, like I did, Caitlin, tore all to pieces and stand on the Word of God. And then see in a matter of two weeks' time, a little face and her eyes, her skull busted, crushed, bones. And I don't even know what all's wrong with her. And in two weeks, not a scar on her face. What, what kind of... I mean, he gives us precious promises. That by these precious promises, we don't have to yield to the devil, to the ways of the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. Our faith or trust in these promises. I mean... Through these great and precious promises, we can become partakers of the divine nature. The divine nature. There's no sickness and disease and pain in the divine nature, is there, Ty? No. So we call on the name of Jesus, like Sarah did with her car wreck. We call on the name of Jesus. He protected her through that car wreck, so she didn't even have nothing. And then, I don't remember all the story, but I think after a while, it wasn't long, because she got some kind of a special promotion or something at work within the next month or two, and they bought a brand new car and paid cash for it out of that. Is that right? Something like that? Well, we could have paid it. We didn't pay it. Okay, but you could have. You got enough. Yeah, I mean, God took care of you is what I'm trying to say. You had a car that had no insurance on it, but he, made, he actually bought you another car. I mean, took care of it for you. All you've got to do is believe him, walk holy before him, be obedient to him, serve him, and then have his word hidden in your heart. So whenever the enemy attacks you, I don't care what happens. I mean, just like, just like I told you all a while ago. I mean, I don't know how many times since Cheryl and I have been married, she'd have a stomach ache or a foot ache or a leg ache or a knee ache or whatever it is. And guess what we do? We don't go to the doctor. We go to the doctor in prayer. 
You know, amen. You know, and does it make it what it is? Whether it's your foot, we pray. And sometimes, you know, the Lord heals it right then and she goes right to sleep and everything. Sometimes it may take a little bit. Sometimes some of these demons that attacked us are a little tougher. Like the other day, I taught a healing school right here. And I told that testimony about the last time the devil had hit me in the back. I mean, I told that testimony in detail how I come against that beast. I mean, how he'd kept me down with my back six times in my life. And now then he tried it again. He laid me out on the hood of a truck. And I had excruciating pain in my back. Well, this time I'm just smiling and looking up. I know the word now. I know the promises of God. So I ain't going to call no doctor. Yeah, my back is absolutely hurting beyond belief. But I quote the word. I tell the devil, devil, I'm standing up the healed. Don't stay down, only the sick. And I'm the well trying to be made sick, and I ain't going there. So my back don't hurt because Jesus bore my pain. And I begin to quote the word, and I stood up. When I stood up, that devil hit me in the back with a severity of pain, and it made sweat pop out of my face. I said, devil, you might as well give up because I ain't going there with you, you devil. I said, I'm going to go ahead and walk off from here. I'm going to do everything I wanted to do today in the name of Jesus, and you're not going to hold me down. And I took that second step, and when I did, half of that pain's gone. By the time I get that third step, it's all gone. And I said, I haven't had a pain in my back since that time. I said, praise God. Well, let me tell you, that was Saturday. Sunday morning, I woke up and turned over the bed, and it's like I had had a catastrophe in my back. I, I said, you devil of hell. I just told that story yesterday and had a pain in my back. And you're back again this morning. First time in six or eight years. I ain't lifted nothing but a toothbrush. You know, so I definitely know it's not because I've lifted something heavy, Fred. You know where I'm coming from, right? It's the devil. So I rolled out of bed and I said, you devil of hell in the name of Jesus. I get out of bed and I head into the bathroom and I start to bend over to brush my teeth. And when I did, it's like he hit me in the back and I said, wow, you devil. I said, okay, so I can't bend over like this. I said, so I'm going to go down like this. I'll brush them like this. So I knelt down with my knees and I leaned my jaw just a little and I brushed my teeth. I said, you devil of hell, you're out of here. I ain't yielding to you in the name of Jesus. And so about an hour or two later, he finally leaves. And so I come to church Sunday, and I felt perfect. And I preached the Word of God, and I thought, wow, this is awesome. Monday morning, I rolled over there to go, and he's there again. He was there every morning, every morning for about five days, four or five days. I just started to get out of bed. I said, oh, my Lord. I said, no, don't you ever give up, you devil of hell? I said, but I guess, I guess not. I said, you know, Jesus, even Jesus, our king, he come against him three times. And Jesus said, it is written every time. And the devil will keep coming back, quoting the word. And then after he hit him the third time, Jesus said, it is written. And so it says, okay, the devil said, I'll leave, but I'll leave till a more opportune time. So I'm going to come back and get him. I thought, you know, if he's going to come back to Jesus, get used to it. He's going to come back to me. But I said, devil, I don't care how many times you come back. I'm the winner. You're not going to win. I'm the winner. You're out of here, and I don't care. Well, four or five days of that rebuking the devil, and then finally, no more. He ain't been back no more. See, what kind of power do we have over that beast, Ty? Oh, isn't it nice to know that we're on the side of the king? Yes. Yes. He's on our side. We're on his, whichever way you want to look at it. We, we're his children. In other words, let's put it this way. You think a marriage in, in a covenant is locked in together? Let me tell you. When you have them babies, 
I don't care if you get a divorce, them children still yours forever. You can't get rid of them. They're there. You may not take care of them. You may not do what you're supposed to, but them children still belong to you. And I'm going to tell you, any man, I'm really going to be down on the men. If there is a man out there that's got children, and them children are not full-grown male, female adults that are out there able to make their own living, if you're not taking care of those kids, you're worse than an infidel. God says you're to take care of your children. You brought them little critters into the world, you're to provide for them. God said that. I didn't say that. He said it. And he's going to hold you accountable for that. I know men that have brought children into the world and then got a divorce and absolutely will not send money to that family. I'm going to tell you, you better be glad God's merciful. Because he tells you to take care of your own. And he says, if you don't take care of your own children, you're worse than an infidel. You know what an infidel is? An unbeliever. You're worse than an unbeliever. First of all, there should be no divorces in the church. None. Thank God, God can forgive you if you have one. But if you get married again, somewhere on the line, you need to be taught that God hates divorce. And when you find that out, from that day forth, God's never going to honor another divorce in your family. If you know that God says, I hate divorce, He's going to expect you to stay with that person and love them. You know, and that story I told, started to tell you a while ago, but I never did finish it. To tell you how it is, this man that turned out to be one of the greatest men of faith that ever walked on the earth. He told his wife she was going to church one night. He said, you go to church again tonight. He said, I want you to stay home with me. She said, I've already made a commitment to speak at the church tonight. I have to go. He said, you go to church tonight. I'm going to lock the door and I ain't going to let you back in. So she goes to church because she's supposed to obey God. So she went to church. When she got home, the door was locked and she couldn't get in. So she slept on the back porch in her dress. And the next morning, when her husband came and unlocked the door, and there she was on the back porch. Now, most women would have not been there. Sharon laughed like she said, I wouldn't have been there for sure. I'm just kidding, Sharon. I'm putting words in your mouth. But anyway, she was there. She was a woman of God. She was a woman that was submissive to her husband, although he had been disobedient. And whenever the door was opened, she looked at him and she reached and grabbed him gently and hugged him and kissed him and said, Honey, good morning. I'm going to fix your favorite breakfast. What would you like? And I've heard some women say, Yeah, I'm going to fix his favorite breakfast too. I'm going to put arsenic in his breakfast this morning. That's not a woman of God. Women, if you're thinking that, you're not a God kind of woman. You need to start thinking like God. But this woman was a godly woman, and she loved God, and she did go in and fix that husband exactly what his favorite breakfast was. And when he saw this love in her heart, he told her, he said, I don't know what you have, but I want what you've got. And that man accepted that Holy Spirit 
that that woman had and that man became one of the most powerful generals of God over the next 60 or 70 years of his life. Actually about 70, at least 70 years of his life, he became one of the most powerful generals of God. This man became so powerful in his love walk that 20,000 people could stand before him and he could wave his hand and everybody that was sick got healed. Everybody. Now, how would you like to have that kind of a love walk? Well, if you've got a woman attached to you that has that kind of love, and I'm going to tell you, that man walked where he walked because of the woman he was married to. She had no idea the impact she was going to have on his life that day. If she'd have done that wrong, and if she'd have been the average woman, that would not have been there. And would have called him or wrote him a letter, said, you hypocrite, I want a divorce. What do you mean, locking me out of the house last night? I can only imagine how some women would do this, can't you? Maybe you've been there. So, if she had not demonstrated the love of God, he would have never walked where he was. The devil would have been the victor in all of that. And that man would have probably never, ever walked anywhere close to where he walked. And there would have been millions of people's lives that would not have been changed over his 70-year tenure with the Lord. And it all happened because of that woman's love for God. Think about that. You have no idea the way you're going to respond, the impact you're going to have on the multitudes. You think, I'm just one person. I can't do nothing. Let me tell you. I said that one time. I'm just one person. I can't make any change. But I now look back and think how stupid that statement was. I have been one man. I've taught the word and sent tapes out. And I'm going to tell you that tens of thousands of people's lives have been changed because of where I have had the privilege to walk. I have no idea what God's done with my walk. Yeah. I have no idea. But see, all I did was yield to God. If he's not respect your persons, what can he do through you? The same thing. All he's looking for is a willing vessel that will put a curb on your mouth and watch what you say and walk in love. Have I been perfect? Far from it. But you know what my goal is? Wow. What a God we serve, huh, Craig? Awesome. Our awesome God. I mean, when we walk in love, he uses us and he brings this awesome anointing out. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's not you that's doing nothing. You're just a vessel that he's using. But when I sit here, or stood here yesterday, and I remember that t- precious, tall, uh, little, slim, beautiful woman that sat on the front that for 15 years of her married life had been lived in hell with sickness and disease. And yesterday, she was ecstatic, jumping, praising God. And then when I saw Rusty walk in, wow. You know Rusty, don't you, Sharon? Yeah. I mean, how many times have we prayed over him? How many times did he come to a healing school? But hey, let me tell you, don't ever give up. Don't ever give up. One day the Word of God will become a reality to you. And when it does, wow, you get delivered. Is there any Christian have to serve the devil? No. When we speak to the devil, he has to leave in the name of Jesus. All you got to do is repent. And if that devil comes along and tries to put something in your heart or mind after that, I remember Sharon's brother that day. He said, if I'd only known, all I had to do was... Flick him off of my shoulder. He has no power. None. 
But we yield to this beast. We yield to him. And he goes through this earth running things. And all the time we've been given all this magnificent power. When the devil tears you up something like that, we don't panic about that. Hey, praise God, we got these promises. We just pray. Oh, by the way, too, I don't want no stars on there whenever it comes back, Lord. I mean, it's what he said. We could ask for anything, didn't we, Ty? Oh, Lord God, I'm just glad you saved my hand, Lord. I know there'll be all kinds of scars, and I probably won't be able to move it and all that kind of stuff. That's what some doctors will tell you. So who are you going to believe? Well, when you believe the promises of God, you don't take nothing but the best, do you? Oh, Daddy, we want that thing healed back up. We want the scars. We want it to be perfect. We want everything to be perfect. Everything feel just like it's supposed to. That's the promises God gives you to overcome the devil with. So when the devil attacks, you take the word of God and you attack back in the name of Jesus. And it's wonderful, isn't it, for him? Woo! Praise the King. Glory to God. Father, I want to thank you and praise you for this beautiful day and all the wonderful things you do. I want to thank you for this book full of promises that we as children of the Most High God can walk in this awesome anointing. And Lord, we don't have to be somebody special. But we are somebody special. We're children of yours. We're not children of the devil no more, so we're children of yours. And these promises are for your children. So we're going to stand on these promises, Lord, and we're going to see you do great and mighty things. Now, Lord, it's you that's doing it. And so, Lord, as we pray for people, anybody in here today that needs prayer, that's sick or whatever, as we invite and open the floor for them to come forth, we're going to just step out of the way and let you touch them and heal them because we know you want to heal all of your children, take away their pain and suffering. And, Lord, may we get completely, totally out of the way. And as people come up today for whether they need salvation, healing, deliverance, or whatever it is, may you touch them and totally, completely meet every one of their needs because they're your children. And then, Lord, teach them to walk holy before you and walk in obedience to the Word so they won't have to be back next week to be prayed over for the same thing. But they'll be able to go out and pray for others and see you do these great and mighty things. Lord, we praise you and bless you, and we worship you for the privilege to serve you as our Lord and Master. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.